Are you an adventurer looking to take your hunt to the next level? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast presented by Onyx. So with Onyx, I want to talk about a feature that I that I use quite a bit within the Hunt app that it doesn't really get talked about a whole lot. And it's very simple. Once you create a waypoint, you can scroll down through, you change the waypoint color, the icon, and there's a little section with a little plus sign there that says notes. And what I use that note section for specifically is, okay, so putting up trail cameras or tree stands, I write any information I can about the area. I'm hanging a trail camera. I'll put the name of the trail camera that I got, you know, whether I need to bring in like a steps to climb up to get it. If I have it angled up in the tree what the battery life's like, um, you know, if it's on a scrape or what it's on, I put all those notes in there. So when I go out, the next time to go check it, I can look at it. Oh, I need to, you know, I got to remember I got to bring steps or I need to do this and really helps me keep organized there. And with tree stands, I'll put, you know, as I'm there marking the tree, I can mark right down what wind direction it's good for, you know, any other different key features. Oh, this, I'm going to navigate around a branch when I'm hanging in here. There's just a bunch of different things. It's, it's nice to be able to use that within the hunt app. So if you want to check out the Onyx hunt app, you can go to onyxmaps.com and use the coupon code EMW. Save yourself 20% off the premium and elite memberships. The University of Elk Hunting, so Corey Jacobson, Elk 101, have put together the most fully comprehensive elk hunting learning course available. And in addition to the course, their Destination Elk YouTube series will be launching soon this November from the, this past elk season. Very informative, very uh, entertaining at the same point, and it's going to be a, a pretty cool series there. So as far as the online course goes, there's no better time to start preparing for next elk season than in the off season. So don't wait. The course is very extensive. It takes a long time to go through it and well worth it. So if you want to check that out, head over to elk101.com. Use the coupon code East Meets West. That'll save you 20% off of the online course. And Maven Optics. So Maven Optics, they have come out with the, the highest quality optics available at half the price of their competitors through their direct consumer business model. And what's really cool about Maven is one of the, one of the things that, that I like is you can customize the, the B-series options. So you can go through on their binoculars and customize any little detail you want to. You can get engraving. You can change the, the body color. I mean, just whatever you think, you, you can do that on their website and make it your own. So if you, you can check out some of my photos that I have over on Instagram and on the website, where you know my S2 spotter, my B2s, those have all been customized for for me personally. So you can uh, you know check those out, and if you head over to MavenBuilt.com, use the coupon code East Meets West Gift, and you can save yourself. Well, you'll get yourself a free gift. Excuse me with with any full price optics order. And the last thing I wanted to note was that. Mountain Ops, their Ops-tober is still going on here for a few more days. 
and every order wins something. So when you put any uh, order in from Mountain Ops, uh, the outdoor supplements, you can you can uh, either get you know win a bunch of gear, or you get a, some sort of a discount code with every single order. And if right now, if you use the coupon code Bo Free Ship B E A U Free Ship, you get yourself free shipping on any of those orders in addition to the the prize giveaways. So check that out at mountainops.com. All right, so this episode here uh, is going to be a, a special one. It'll be a, a really good one here with with my dad. So I talked him into doing an interview here with me and mostly like a conversational based piece about hunting the rut. So what's been going on up to this point? And since the last time I talked here uh, last week, Got to hunt a little bit more uh, here recently, and still not still not getting on much as far as deer from tree stand. It's been still a lot of scouting signs been popping up, kind of hanging sets as as uh, needed, and haven't haven't been able to get that to really pay off much yet. We had a bear muzzleloader plus uh, a youth and elderly rifle hunt this weekend, so. It was kind of crazy in the woods. I had, I, I was sitting in a spot this weekend that really wasn't that far from the road, but I thought it would, I'd be able to get away from where the people were. I haven't seen anybody in there all year, and someone shot a rifle like 150 yards away from me in the clear cut. So that that kind of put a damper on things a little bit. But I still sat till around noon, and then got out and started scouting on the ground as the, there was rain coming in. So I knew it was would be good time to walk so as the rain was coming down i wanted to scout this clear cut more i've been hunting the fringes of it a little bit and getting some nighttime photos of some good deer and know they're coming from there and this would be a good time to really get in there and figure out what's going what's happening right now without leaving much scent behind and potential to you know shoot one of them off the ground so i got in found some hot signs some scrapes i was going to set up on it and the wind just wasn't wasn't right it was going right into the clear cut where i thought they'd be bedded and i, I just i couldn't hunt it so I, I backed out and well actually i guess this is something i should know is right when i did that i heard a deer snort at me and i couldn't tell what it was and it ran a little bit and i saw its feet run it wasn't very far from that scrape and so I did a big loop around the outside of the clear cut to get the wind right. And I just walked to the edge of it and, and grunted and just tried to see if I can get something stirred up out of its bed and found this buck's bedroom that was just giant rubs. Everything looked good. It kind of funneled out of it. And, um, as I was sneaking around through there, got down into the little creek bottom on the edge of the clear cut with a bunch of like standing pine trees and hemlocks and big scrapes going down through just i mean ultimate rut spot just great travel crossing and as as i was walking back up this old atv trail i snuck up because it was raining pretty good so it was quiet to walk i just walked at a snail's pace and still hunted as you'll hear my dad talk about in this this episode here but i uh, i snuck up on five does just starting to feed right before dark out in this logging road and then ended up getting past them and just about when i was getting back to the point where i was gonna cut in where i had set up that camera earlier and jump that deer 
it was getting pretty close to getting dark and boom this big buck jumps up 12 yards from me he never apparently that was a buck i'd that i had winded me earlier and he never went anywhere he he bumped up and moved his bed 20 yards and and even this time when he bumped out because he just caught a glimpse of me the wind was good but just caught a glimpse of me i don't think he went very far but i just kept walking down the, the little road dak like you know, nothing happened. And I just went around and was heading back towards my truck. But that was interesting to note. Like, so I basically bumped him twice. I really don't think that he's going to go anywhere. He had security there. And now that gives me some intel where this buck is bedded. I don't know. It was tough to tell how big he was. Um, they always look bigger running away. So, you know, look like a giant, but I mean, his body was just a tank. I mean, it was definitely a mature deer. So, that was really, really good intel from that that little still hunt uh, yesterday, or when I'm saying yesterday, I'm recording this on Sunday. So on Saturday evening, there, uh, October 26th. And so here's where it gets real interesting. I was heading back out to my truck, and all of a sudden, I just stepped onto what looked like an old like grassy area where there was used to be a gas well, and just completely sunk down in it was I, I stepped in something that was like literally like quicksand but mud and within five seconds I was up to my neck in it and I couldn't couldn't get out and I just kept sinking deeper every time I would move and I was able to reach behind me and kind of use my backpack as like a flotation device I mean it was thick but it was I, I don't know how to explain it and I was able to grab hold of this old gas well pole that was sticking out of the ground I mean these He's, this gas well probably hadn't been active in 40 years. I mean, it's it's old. And grabbed onto the pole, and after about three or four minutes of pulling, I was able to get myself out of the muck and and then had to fish my bow out of it. But it was one of the scariest things that I've ever experienced. I mean, I literally think if I wouldn't have been able to grab onto that pole there, I don't know if I would have been able to get out. And I just kept sinking. There was no sign of the bottom it was, I've never seen anything like that. I mean, I know some of these old gas walls, you have to watch out for holes and, you know, little like, uh, yeah, any sort of, you know, they can be five foot deep holes sometimes that are kind of covered by leaves. But this one was 30 foot wide by 10 feet long. And, or yeah, and it was just, I, I can't believe that it's not marked or anything. So I'm going to have to report, report that to, uh, to somebody here and, and, get that marked or fixed or something it, I, I don't know how to explain it but i don't know if anybody else has experienced anything like that but literally just felt like quicksand so yeah that's what uh spending today doing cleaning up all my gears just covered in this gross muck and my, my backpack my rangefinder my binos at my grunt tube everything i had just covered so trying to get that taken care of here, but looking forward to it's my last week of work and then I'm off for a week. Yeah, for one week. Using the rest of my vacation up to hunt whitetails here in Pennsylvania. Chris Derrick from Sicka Gear will be coming in to hunt with me and doing some more product testing, some cool stuff. We'll record podcasts. It's gonna be gonna be pretty awesome. So I'm hoping I can be tagged out before he even gets here and then I'll just hunt bears at that point. But Anyways, I hope everyone's season's going well. Got some cold weather coming in towards the end of this week. Should be good. 
And I hope you enjoy this episode with my dad, Joe Martonic. All right, welcome back to another episode of the East Meets West Hunt podcast. And tonight I'm sitting here with my dad, Joe Martonic. How's it going, dad? Pretty good. How you doing, Bo? Uh, I can't complain. Can't complain. It's uh, the end of October here and we're getting close to the best time of year. Yeah, I, I would say so for sure. Yeah, we uh, here in uh, you know the big woods here, Pennsylvania, we're going to be really getting into the time of year when it seems like all of us seem to have the the most luck, and uh, or kind of putting putting everything together and and starting to have some bucks hit the ground, and hopefully we get some colder weather coming up here in the in the following weeks. Yeah, I, th- uh, I I agree with that 100%. Um, I think, you know, the main reason that we look forward to the rut is obviously it's, it's the most action, the deer most responsive um, to calling. Um, but in a, we save our vacation for that. You don't get so much vacation in a year. And I think that uh, this middle of October has a potential of being good, but I'm always leery about taking a week off for it because uh, you never know. We, you know, every once in a while you pick up a good one on camera in daylight. Uh, most of it's nighttime activity, but uh, you know, this coming up first couple of weeks of November definitely is uh, the time that, to be out there. Yeah, no, it's you're, you're exactly right. If and you, like you said, you can you can have success, and I think we could do well if, if we hunted more in the middle of October and stuff like that, but. I mean, when you have only so much time, you got to put the odds in your favor, and the odds are definitely a lot better during the rut. You can utilize all day and and everything else. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, so I guess what I want to kind of get started here uh, with this episode, it's going to be focused around, you know, hunting in these next few weeks and, and you know, recording this right about when it's going to release. So the end of October, you know, leading into... November. So I, I guess let's, let's start off with, you know, in the coming weeks here and I'll say in the next, in the next week, what are you kind of looking for as far as sign when it comes to, comes to hunting these whitetails in the end of October? Uh, mainly scrapes. Um, I'm, I'm primarily a scrape hunter. Um, this early, you know, late, late October, early November. Um, and the reason being, because that's, you know, that's where the most sign is, uh, rub lines also, um, uh, which usually comes hand in hand with, with scrape areas. Mm-hmm. So with, um, with, with the scrapes, I mean, is there any, like, what kind of scrape are you looking for? Is there, you know, I mean, there are definitely you know, a lot of scrapes are popping up this time of year. How are you picking, you know, your hunting setup for these scrapes? Well, mainly the first thing I look for on a scrape is the size of the licking branch, which can be deceiving. I've had cameras on uh, scrapes and uh, you, you don't have a big limb broke or um, snapped off and a big buck still hits it. But uh, if you find a scrape that you know is a, an annual, uh, a scrape they're hitting every year, um, it's probably was made by the same buck. Uh, multiple bucks are using it, obviously. But uh, if you find a big licking branch that's broke off and 
um, there's a good chance there's a, there's a good, real good buck in there that you're going to want to hunt, and uh, and usually the camera will show that also. Yeah. So with with these scrapes, when you're talking about like the licking branch, is there a certain size you're looking for as far as reference? Uh, yeah. You know, big as your um, index finger probably snapped off um, would be ideal. Um, but you don't. You know, those sometimes are hard to hard to come by. Um, but it, you know, I, there was. Uh, I don't know. I, I was always taught that if you found uh, some big branches broke, it's probably a long time buck. Um, whether that's true or not, I I don't know. But uh, it's usually a good sized buck, something that I would definitely want to hunt and and uh, want to try to put on the ground. Yeah, and and it could too. I mean, depending on the the height of the licking branch stuff, could potentially mean that you know the the age of the deer a little bit the taller you know the deer that are hitting some of those higher ones and stuff at least this is just my thought is that you know the older deer they stand a little bit taller as it is they might you know really get into some of the the higher branches do you see anything with that oh yeah yeah definitely um the higher the branches uh usually the taller the deer um, you do see some, you catch on camera, uh, younger deer, they'll stand it on their hind legs hitting these taller branches, but, uh, uh, but no, it, you're, you're, you're right. It, the, the higher the branches, the bigger the branches typically means a, it's a, you know, a bigger buck that's, that's using it. Um, and like I mentioned before, the, all the, all the deer, all the bucks in that area are going to be using it. Um, but, uh, it was probably made by that buck uh you know three four or five years ago and uh he just keeps on hitting it every year and other deer are using it with with these scrapes like the location of them or do you find any sort of uh correlation or pattern to like where they're at is like you know say close to a, a bed or i mean they can bed in a lot of areas but close to like thick stuff or are you finding them on you know old logging roads what are what's kind of your key for that um yeah, it's 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 like travel areas. Um, uh, old logging roads will have them on them, uh, in, in old clear cuts on the edges of them. Um, something that's easy for a deer to travel on, uh, where a lot of paths intersect uh, intersect each other. Uh, creek bottoms, which are usually a good travel area in their own. Um, that's kind of the areas I I concentrate on. Yeah, um, and. With these scrapes, I mean, I I know the answer to this because I know you. But as far as when you're when you're looking for these scrapes and stuff, is this something that that you're finding mostly in the season, or do you kind of have an idea already through previous scouting, spring scouting? When um, how are you kind of going about, you know, kind of scouting these areas out for these scrapes? Um, my ideal time to scout uh, for scrapes is after hunt season's over and into this and you know right i guess uh around thanksgiving uh and i'm talking hunt season meaning our archery right our archery season uh prior to the rifle season that week um you know pretty much the ruts kind of winding down you, you may get some trickle over into the uh first week or two of december but for the most part it seems like it's over in our area and all the scrapes that were going to be made are kind of made um so when i'm going out um you know that that i guess it'd be the week of thanksgiving i'm, I'm looking for 
what had, has happened if I didn't know it already happened in a certain area. And then, then come springtime, once that snow leaves, um, I mean, it's golden for, you got probably two months. Uh, you might have some snow on and off, but you probably have two months of scouting time that uh, will will show you a lot as far as the scrapes that were made that, that rut prior. Yeah. And do you, I mean, so, I mean, with a lot of those, you know, the annual scrapes or the community scrapes or whatever you want to call them, you know, you can kind of tell those when you're scouting in the spring as far as you can see which ones are just the ones that were hit you know as a buck was depending on his testosterone levels or whatever going down a road or the ones that are you know constantly being used yeah um and it's you know usually the size of the scrape uh for one uh but also like i said going back to that licking branch if there's a good size branch you know big as my index finger my thumb snapped off um um then uh, there's there's a good chance that there's a real good buck that was using that uh hopefully he made it through the the rifle season at that point in time you just don't know and that's kind of why i'm out i do my shed hunting to see what might have been you know what made it through um but but even so if if that buck did get shot in a rifle season yeah you know you, you mentioned the community scrape and yeah it's it's definitely other bucks are you can you use it and we'll continue to use it um so it's always something to, to recheck on. You know, I mark these on my GPS uh, or my Onyx, and um, I'll go back to them here, you know, this time of year. And uh, I'll we'll start throwing cameras on them, usually in September, um, just getting ready and, and, and see what happens. Uh, things usually don't start heating up on them until middle of October. You'll get a spurt to where you, you'll get some photos, uh, usually nighttime photos, but, uh, you know, we've had some daylight ones here in the last week um but uh they're not it's not going to be as frequent uh them visiting as it will here coming you know first week of november or, or last week of october i guess yeah i mean do you do you think that this coming week's the best time for scrapes as far as specifically hunting scrapes uh yeah I, um in my opinion i do um I, i've had my most success hunting scrape lines um the cameras have also showed showed similar results for the the ones I'm not hunting. You know where I should have been, so to so to speak, uh, where a, a good buck has gone through in daylight hours. Yeah, I mean, and and the thing is, when it comes to the full out rut, you know, and we'll get into that a little bit, but they're not they don't have as much of a, a regimen to it as coming down and checking them scrapes. We've seen it where we're sitting on a spot where our camera's on a scrape and you see six, seven bucks in a day and none of them go in front of your camera. No, and that, that's exactly right. And, uh, and you know, cameras are, are real good, but they can also be really bad. It can be really misleading. Um, I used to get discouraged when you get into that first, second week of November and and I'm not picking up any any uh deer in my cameras um you know i'm thinking that they at least would walk through the scrape uh but if i hunted them stands there was one time i, I was sitting in a over a scrape uh, or near a scrape and i seen five different bucks go by by 11 a.m and not one of them went through the scrape and my camera never picked any of them up they were always you know skirting the edge downwind of it or just just you know like i said there's a travel area where you usually where they scrape so they're going to use it regardless if they're going to hit the scrape yeah yeah so i mean so i guess what you're saying is no matter what you those areas are gonna you're still hunting similar in late october as you would 
throughout the first two weeks in November. It's just whether your cameras are picking it up or if they're actually using that scrape is a little bit different or can be. Yeah, yeah. And, um, yeah, and don't, I guess what I'm saying is don't solely rely on your camera to tell you, uh, you know, come the first two weeks of December or November to, uh, whether you should hunt an area or not. If you picked up a good buck on a scrape, you know, that last week of October or mid-October, um, there's a good chance that he's going to pass through there sometime during those first two weeks of November. And like I said, he, he may not walk through that scrape. If, you had, if you're relying on your camera to tell you that, um, you may never see him because he just, you know, it's a travel area. He could be 10, 20, 30 yards away from it just traveling through. Mm-hmm. With uh with the scrape setups, are you doing anything as far as, you know, freshening them up or any scents or what are some of the kind of stuff that you like to use with those scrapes to if anything? Yeah, I'll put a pre orbital on, on the uh licking licking branch. Okay. Do you put anything in the scrape itself? Um no, not not normally. I mean I I've tried some different uh uh I've tried scent drippers in the past, um but uh I, I typically don't put any uh, anything com- commercial, I guess, in it that you know mm-hmm. for scrapes. Yeah, <laughs> excuse me, but and I I don't know if I don't know if you do the same, but I always just piss in my own scrapes. It's, well, I, I I do too, but I didn't want I, I that's not a uh, I guess I didn't know if you wanted me to say that on the uh, the airways or not. That's yeah, it's a it's, uh, it's a trick <laughs> that uh, not many talk about or think that it's a you know an issue but yeah. well i was always brought up um that you didn't want any human scent that if you had to take a piss you you went as far away from your hunting spot as you could to you know take a leak um but you know probably the last 10 15 years i i piss right in the scrape or i'll just you know take a leak out of my tree if i have to go it, it doesn't mm-hmm. bother them yeah no, I I agree with that too, and I I just always think that's funny. That I mean, that, that's my opinion and your opinion, and and other people may s- say that it does. And I mean, who knows? Maybe 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 a giant did get spooked that we didn't see. But yeah, but for the most part, it hasn't affected you to this point. Correct. And I know that you, when when possible, you know, say someone in the family gets a buck or something, you're the first one to try to cut off the tarsal glands. Yeah, um, yeah, tarsal, uh, fresh tarsal is is golden in my book uh, for hunting. I, there's been a lot of uh, a lot of uh, whether it's coincidental or not, or maybe it's just because it's getting hot. You know, if somebody gets a a, a good buck, and uh, I'll, I'll take the tarsal and. Um, Sometimes I, it pays off within a day or two for me. Yeah. You know, whether it's coincidental, I don't know, but it, I, it sure ain't hurting. Let's just say that. So what are you, what are you doing with the tarsal exactly? I'll, I'll, I'll put it on a string and I'll lay a, a scent trail down. Um, as you're walking to, in, you mean? Yep. As I'm walking in, then I'll hang it uh, somewhere near the scrape area. Because like I said, I, I kind of hunt scrapes uh, uh, pretty much all the time, uh, whether they're using them or not, just because it is a travel area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that, and that's a that's a good point too. With with the scrapes, you know, usually they're in travel areas, which is what you're looking for, you know, during the rut. And it just might be that one thing you need to get them to stop or anything, as far as for a shot opportunity when that comes down to it. 
Yeah, and you got to be careful with a fresh tarsal because um, they they will start spoiling, and then they can become a deterrent. Um, you got to try to you know keep them cold. I throw them in a freezer. You know, uh, as soon as I cut them off, it's usually in, a, in the evening when I'm done hunting. Or you're you know visiting somebody had got a nice buck or they're brought to show you, and if they're wanting to give up their tarsal, I'll throw it right in the freezer. Um, put a string on it right then and put it in a bag and throw it in the freezer and, and then uh, use it for. You know, you might get two days out of it, uh, especially if it gets pretty warm. You know, if it's getting up in the 50s, 60s uh, during the day, then you may only get, you know, two days out of it before you probably ought to, you better get rid of it or it's going to start deterring the deer. Yeah, at that point, you're just hanging raw meat. Yeah. In the, you're rotting meat. You might have better better chance of getting coyotes to come in. <laughs> yeah. It might not be a bad idea with bear season overlapping. <laughs> I don't know if you're, you're not allowed to have anything like that for, a, I believe, for bear, archery bear. Oh, okay. I don't, I don't, I, I have to reread that, but I was, I think there's something funny about that where uh, you can't use lures for, I, I have to reread that. Don't, don't, don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, okay. So using the preorbital and the and the tarsal glands as far as the the scents go with with hunting those scrapes, and so with with some of these scrapes, you know, you talked about finding them in the spring and everything, and and the size of the licking branch, what you're looking for. Is there any specific you know types of trees that normally you're finding scrapes under? Any specific? Um, I mean, I know you said crossings, but is there anything else that you can kind of key in on? Um. I mean, our area. Uh, if if I if I find a, a hemlock grove, um, you know, I'll, I'll definitely check around the hemlocks. Um, I, I I like that because then you can uh, you almost bury yourself into a hemlock on a with a hang on setup. Um, and uh, the beach scrub too. Um, they seem to they seem to like to hit the beach in in some of the areas. Um, but that's probably. Uh, the two types of trees that I, I find my scrapes most commonly under, um, and the beach is usually what grows up in the clear cuts, you know, the older clear cuts. So it may just be coincidental for that. Uh, but but hemlocks, uh, I would say probably sixty seventy percent of mine are under hemlocks. Okay, yeah, and then, and and a lot of that comes down to too a lot of our creek bottoms. Yeah, I have hemlocks in them. You yeah. know, it's it can be thicker like that through, and it seems like that's what they use. I see the same thing. Well, and I don't know if you notice, and and and, and a lot of the clear cuts they'll let the hemlock stand uh, when they do the clear cut. It may be one, some of only the few trees left, and so they're usually a larger tree in within a clear cut, especially an older clear cut. Uh, so that kind of you know lends itself well for for them to scrape especially when if there's a log old skid trail running right right nearby it or right next to it yeah and i mean it kind of it almost goes with like if you look at people that are hunting farm country and the food plots and stuff that they have any the lone trees normally have a scrape under or mm-hmm. people are putting fake trees into to have scrapes under with a you know, logging cut, it's essentially, especially even, even fresh ones too, but they can be, you know, they're essentially a, a food plot. And then you have these pine trees that are the big, you know, scrape type areas. It's just, mm-hmm. it's similar, but different <laughs> Yeah, at, at the same time. And I guess on the, on the side of, uh, logging cuts and clear cuts, um, anything specific there that you're looking for as far as, you know, hunting them or, or any, any details with that? Um, I mean, a clear cuts, uh, I find it's difficult to find 
decent trees that give you some cover to, to, to hang in. Um, I, I like to still hunt them. Um, and you know, when I'm still hunting them, I'm trying to, I'm kind of keeping the wind in my face and following a scrape line and, and just, you know, doing some calling as I go. When you, when you say still hunting, you're meaning hunting off the ground, kind yeah. of just slowly walking. Yeah. Yep. Just, uh, you know, taking my time going through and, uh, may take you, I don't know, 20 minutes to go a hundred yards or, or less and just take a few steps, call and, and, uh, just important things, just keeping the wind, you know, in your face pretty much. Mm-hmm. And so you, you have to pick your days. You can't just go any day and, 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 and plan on still hunting a clear cut because of the, if the winds shift in back and forth or, um, even if it's, uh, if it's too dry and, and, and just too noisy and. So you have, you have to pick your days. You, you know, certain days that are lend themselves better than others. Uh, as far as hanging on them, uh, the edges usually where you can find good trees to to hunt them. And then I, I'll pick a tree that's on the uh, downwind side of the clear cut. Um, I, you know, I, I, I feel that the bucks are, are cruising that out, outside edge. They're gonna, they're not gonna just you know, especially on a, a somewhat newer clear cut to where it's pretty thick. They're gonna, they're not gonna want to fight their way through it they're going to be on that downwind edge and just sent you know sending any doe that you know uh inside that clerica that may be bedded or, or feeding or just hiding and uh you know so i think the downwind edges are a good place to set up for that yeah i i want to i want to get back to that that point in a, in a minute but what i want to go a little bit further into is the the still hunting thing was something that that I remember when I was younger and I think, it, I don't know if I was, in, I might've still been in high school or maybe I was beginning of college, whatever it was. Um, you were ha- letting me hunt some of your stands and I wasn't sitting in there long enough. Cause you were talking about, you know, the midday movement of the box in there. And you said, listen, if you're having trouble, you know, day after day, getting up and going in said, wait until first light and walk in and just call your way into this into the stand and then sit longer uh as far as that goes and i was i was pleasantly surprised some of the times when you're walking like that and, and being able to call in bucks you know at, at first light yeah 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 i remember those days well you you always seem to pull out and the cameras uh usually showed you <laughs> yeah. about a half hour 45 minutes too early yeah <laughs> yeah you had that one uh that one creek bottom spot that I remember sitting and I was texting you from it. I had a flip phone at the time. I remember texting you and being like, I'm going to get down. It was like 10 o'clock. And you're like, no, you need the camera shows. You know, you got to stay there till at least 1130. And you wanted me to stay there all day, but you're like at least 1130 between, you know, between 1030 and 1130 has been historically good in this area. I'm like, I don't know. I was halfway down the sticks and here comes this buck <laughs> and I ended up getting to the ground and, and untying the bow and you already had your, your buck tag filled because actually I think I was using your bow and I remember I was, the, the buck still came in even though I was climbing down and I tried to, and I tried to draw back and shoot and that, that was when we had the, the rests that weren't full capture and I had my finger over top of the arrow and I pulled the knock right out of the arrow and I was at full draw with the arrow just kind of dangling there and a buck looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I learned from that and I learned from the other experiences with your cameras where you get a picture of me walking out and literally 45 minutes later, you know, nice bucks 
cruising down through there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that that happened more than once. <laughs> yeah, it, it took me a little bit to to learn from that. That's really well, and that's you know, and that's kind of where how I actually got into the, the steel hunting. It was, you know, everybody here pretty much tree stand hunts. Um, uh, don't rifle people do a lot of walking but uh all the archery hunters when i was growing up you, you sat in a tree that's what you did and uh i had a hard time when i was younger to sit all day or even sit for a few hours um so and, and then you're sitting in the tree and nothing's happening you're looking over and thinking boy i bet it's better over there and uh then i you know got to the thing where hey why not just walk over there and just hunt my way slowly over there um you know like i said as long as you keep the wind in your face and then you get to where you think might be better and it usually wasn't uh but uh you know it, it at least it it kept you kept you in the game instead of going back going back home going back to the truck or whatever um it kept you in the game you're still out there hunting yeah and so one specific story i can think of with that is uh buck you know behind me as i'm sitting here in your basement is uh an 11 point you shot with a with small drop time there back in 2005 i remember the story of you hunting that deer do you mm-hmm. kind of want to explain kind of from beginning to end to hunting that uh yeah I, I had picked them up on a scrape um only once and uh it was probably actually it was early i think it was i think he started work. he hit that scrape of might have been the first week of October, um, but uh, actually, no, it might have been even in, in September. I think it was in like the third week of September, because um, it was it was before our season came in, and our season typically comes in the first weekend of October. Um, so I was all excited, couldn't wait for the season and to start, and uh, started hunting that scrape, and um, I actually po- sat in trees around that scrape area there was multiple scrapes within a you know i guess probably a couple hundred yards 150 yards that i would you know wasn't sitting in the same tree every time but uh different trees depend on the wind but i spent um i think it was 21 different days in the tree and not all of them were all day sits but a lot of them were uh, at least four or five hour sits uh, in the morning or the evening without seeing a deer and uh, but his sign was telling me that he was active at night and uh, at that time we had film cameras so you know 24 photos filled your filled your roll of film and um, I never caught him again on 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 camera and just other deer and uh, um, it was well it was uh, what November 7th maybe 8th November 8th it was uh, it was a cold frosty morning i thought this is the day and um i sat till probably about 10:30 and by then it had warmed up to about 60 degrees it warmed up very quickly and uh, i think they were actually forecasting to get in the mid 60s that day so i got down out of the tree like i normally do and then i thought you know what i know i you know I was on the edge of a clear cut and uh, i thought i'm I know we got to be better than that clear cut. So I decided that I was just, you know, it was prime time to where I, they would start responding to calls or should be responding to calls. So I decided I would go in after them. And uh, as as luck would have it, it it all worked out. I mean, I, I run into men and um, shot them coming straight at me, 
you know, probably about 15 yards. And, uh, yeah, it, it, it was one of those rare occasions that uh, a target, uh, you know, a target buck that I'm hunting actually uh, ended up hitting the ground for me. And when, and I, I remember that story too. And so you were basically just walking logging roads, weren't you? The kind of. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was, the clear cut was too thick to just randomly walk through. So I was, you know, walking the old the skid trails that wound, wound through it, mm-hmm. um, which, um, I mean, there was, there was, yeah, it, 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 like I said, it, it was thick. So you just can't just bust through, but I just kept the wind in my face and, uh, uh, follow these skid trails and if the wind shifted i would i would shift my my direction to, to compensate for it yeah and with when you were uh when you were doing that a couple of the different things that i know that you do as far as when you okay you're say you're grunting going through the clear cuts one thing you taught me is about even making noise every once in a while oh yeah yeah you you, you know you don't want to be just scuffing your feet and 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 just randomly walking through um but you, you want to be sneaking through but you can break you can break branches i mean i you got to sound like especially when you're grunting you know like a, a, a buck's chasing and if you ever heard a buck chasing which i know you have um you know they they just go crashing through uh they, they're they're trying to cut the dough off or or what have you and and that dough's just going like going like hell also i mean there's some commotion going on so uh when i'm when i'm still on a clear cut and grunting uh, I'll, I'll break some branches yeah and and i i've the i remember one situation i had where i did something like that where i was still hunting and literally what i would do is basically i try to be quiet and then whenever i'd snap a branch i just grunt yeah grunt after it and kind of cover up your noise a little bit and i remember having one come running right in but it was where he ended up stopping and looking out at i didn't have a a shot into the the cut but that was it it worked i mean you're sounding like a deer yeah and and uh you know one thing that um if you're going to hunt that style one one shot you need to practice is the frontal shot um, cause you, you, you're, I don't know if I've never, actually, I know I've never shot a deer broadside, uh, still hunting a clear cut. It's always been them crashing and coming at you, uh, looking for a fight or whatever it may be. Um, um, uh, hell, I remember one time this, I, I almost had to shoot a spike in self-defense. <laughs> I heard the, I heard the cry, you know, I just finished the grunting and then I heard a crash and so I went to full draw waiting and uh this spike just come out of nowhere and stopped at almost the tip of my arrow i mean i and i'm just hollering at it you know at this point in time because he's bobbing his head and he had, he had some decent spikes on him <laughs> <laughs> and i thought son of a gun i'm gonna have to shoot you you're gonna before you, you start you start poking me here <laughs> but uh <laughs> finally uh I I don't think I spoke to him, but uh, he he finally gave up and took off the other way, and uh, just he realized it wasn't a deer. But I think he was he went away proud, thinking that he he had scared me because well he did. <laughs> <laughs> and I I remember on that eleven point that we were just talking the story on that you shot frontal at him at what about fifteen yards? Yeah. And you have a picture of the arrow, an old muzzy. Was it on an aluminum arrow at the time, or was that a carbon arrow? Ah, uh, actually, is that straight up there? Is that the right arrow? No, that's not the right arrow. Um, 
I think it was an aluminum arrow. Yeah, I believe it was an aluminum arrow then I was using. But, uh, yeah, it was the Muzzy um, the four blade. And that, that threaded pretty much the whole way down through them. It actually exited uh, back low in the belly and entered the hind leg and passed through his hind leg. And the fletch is the only thing that kept it from going all the way through the hind leg. But, and that was the opposite side. I, I, I slid it in uh, the uh, front right shoulder basically and it came out the back left leg um, but it pretty much took every vital out of them yeah i mean that shot's lethal and if you if you can thread in that you know that spot there which is why it's better for a closer shot than anything which is normally in them clear cuts you're not shooting very far anyways yeah and i and that's you know at least back then i always was a firm believer in the fixed blade because of the especially the muzzy at the chisel tip um for that reason that if you did catch shoulder blade or any kind of bone uh hopefully it would deflect in but it you know where i think expandables expandables at least back then uh, you would lose penetration right away, and I, I don't know if you'd ever get, you know, if you didn't hit it just right, you didn't have the, as much forgiveness as you would with a fixed blade. Yeah. No, and then, I mean, you still shoot fixed blades to this yeah. day. You yeah. and I both tried a little bit of messing around with some other ones and ended up coming back to yeah. to shooting a fixed blade. I mean, it's just not always you can have that perfect shot and especially when you're hunting off the ground or even in the tree in a lot of these spots you don't always have the perfect shot angle and i mean you always want to take an ethical shot but you you're a lot more confident in your arrow setup well and that comes down to your practice and i mean you know archery you yeah you can you can shoot your bow once or twice in a year and and still be lucky and, and make a decent shot uh but um i'm a firm believer that you, know, you got to put your time you know as well as you are um uh, you know shooting a bow all all spring all summer all fall and during the season um and 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 have these scenarios going through your head um you know, if you have to take a, a frontal shot and, and know your limitations as far as your distances uh, of what what you think you can be effective at. If, if you don't feel comfortable, then you just don't take the shot. I mean, that's that's the bottom line. Yeah. No, that's, that's I mean, that's ex you're exactly right. And it all comes down to, yeah, your confidence. If you know that you can make that shot, then you can, then then you'll make it when it, when it happens. But, I mean, yeah, that's when... It's funny, you know, recently I've, in the last three, four years, seen a lot of things like when it comes to elk hunting, talking about the frontal shot and with uh, Corey Jacobson's a big proponent of it and everything. And and one thing I guess we should probably talk about, it's not an ideal shot out of a tree stand, but at a ground level, that's... Right, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, hopefully in a, in, out of a tree stand, you're able to... Uh, you know, I, I want to say pick your shot or, pick, you know, they're, they're, you know, yeah, I've grown, you know, plenty of deer in out of the tree stand and, uh, and, you know, they do come in and then they'll stop and they'll kind of look around. They're looking for that deer. They're looking for it. Uh, where when you're on the ground, they pretty much got you pinpointed. You know, when you're in the tree and you're grounded, they come running in They're Yeah, they're looking at they have you pinpointed, but they're they're looking down and not so much up at you. So they'll stop and they're not spooked yet, um, and and should give you an opportunity to be able to do a better shot placement as far as um, possibly getting a broadside shot on it or or whatever it may ever it may be. Yeah. So let's uh let's shift gears a little bit to 
talking about calling. You've talked about that quite a bit. Um, you know, during this time of year, not so let's just say from Halloween on, let's kind of kind of get into more of the the rut. What's your kind of calling look like? Are you doing any blind calling? You just call when you see a deer. What what's that kind of look like? Um, probably just. I'll do blind calling. Um, not uh, it'll it'll pick up more come the first week, second week of November. Uh, but if I do see a buck, I'll definitely I'm gonna I'm gonna make a call to it. Um, if 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 it doesn't look like he's coming my way to begin with. Um, but uh, and I'll throw some bleats in uh, along with it. I, I've I've done some rattling. I'm not a um, that's not my primary tool to go to. Um, I know plenty of people that love to rattle and have, have good success with rattling. Um, myself, I, I don't know if I ever shot a deer bringing in on a rattle. Um, I've brought some in that I were smaller bucks, but as far as, uh, the larger bucks, it's always been, you know, the grunt bleak combination or just a grunt. Yeah. The, the grunt bleak combinations a a great one for blind calling in my opinion especially because we're in we're in such you know thick areas a lot of times you can only see 30 yards at a time bucks can pass 60 70 yards out of range of you and you'll never know it mm -hmm. so you kind of i mean calling in my opinion is is huge for that and i like i'll take the little bleak can just a little primos bleak can dump it twice make the the bleat sound and then uh follow it up with a you know a grunting sequence and and i like to take my grunt tube and, and move it in the direction like almost acting like it's running in a certain way brah, 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 the whole way you know down around and and i think in actually in pennsylvania and ohio i think the probably the last four yeah last four of my five bow kills have been doing after that sequence from a blind call mm -hmm. you know only only one of the bucks you know kind of showed up without me calling i think yeah and, and and one thing um especially with the grunt tube um you gotta be careful um and you know you're saying you throw it and you, you're, you're moving and throwing your sound um i used to do a lot of uh especially if i seen a deer i'd i try to grunt uh like behind a tree to make it sound like the deer's behind me so that you know, the deer would come through me to get to it, and it would actually work, but usually the buck would be coming in, and I couldn't get him to stop until he was behind a tree, and I wasn't able to stop because most of my shooting lanes were out in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> so it would, in in a sense, it would backfire uh, on, on different occasions for me. Um, but, yeah, you definitely got to, you just don't want to hold your tube in one, one position and sit there and, and just keep on grunting in the same spot. Uh, you you want to you want to move it around a little bit. Uh, get that you know make it sound realistic. Yeah, I agree. What what about uh, all right? So w with your tree stand setups, are you 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 know mostly hunting mobile? Or are you putting up stands ahead of the season? What's kind of your strategy with that? Uh, I I I usually try to get between six and eight. Um, hang-ons lock-ons what do you want to call them sticks uh up you know you know prior to the season or during the season right prior to the rut um and but i also have a, a climbing stand a couple climbing stands that i i utilize and to be honest with you probably 95 percent of my 
deer kills if they weren't on the ground have been out of my climber uh <laughs> i almost want to say i don't want that it almost seems like i'm wasting my time putting these sticks up and these platforms but uh, i have well last year's kill was out of a platform but uh um yeah i, I just sometimes i wonder if if i should just carry my climber all the whole time <laughs> instead of you know putting all these these uh these sticks and and, and platforms up because then you got to pull them and yeah. i i try to get all mine out or i do get them all out as soon as our season ends before the rifle season begins um and that that's a lot you know you're it's, it's a lot of work getting them all back in yeah and and do you think that with the reason why your most of the success comes out of the climber stands is because you're you're getting on hot sign and just setting up on that or what do you think yeah that's probably that, that's probably the, the, a, a true statement yeah yeah because um and not to say that my hang on where i put it over a scrape line or something wouldn't be hot the following week uh it just so happens to be that you know i'm in you know I, you know when it starts getting that in the you know first couple of weeks of november uh, whether I can only spend an hour or two in the woods or the whole day, I try to spend every day in the woods. Um, like I said, it may only be an hour after work, and, or if it's a week, weekend, you, you know, on a Saturday, you get to spend a whole day, or you take a day off work and spend a whole day. But yeah, you find a hot sign. Um, I usually have my climber in in in, in my truck, my vehicle, and uh, um, go back and get it and throw it up if it isn't already on my back. Yeah. And and you're and you're just now you're now a little bit kind of getting into you picked up what an XOP stand and some lone wolf sticks yeah as far as trying the the hang and hunt kind of style too have you have you got used to that yet or have you done no much with that? I'm still uh, I'm still struggling with that <laughs> setup um, I did get my the first attempt of of doing it um, I think it took me well I ended up the first tree i couldn't get the, the straps around it um so then i had to move to another tree which wasn't ideal at all but uh, i think it took me a little better than an hour to do my first setup um uh, i did one here just last week and uh i think i was set up in a half hour um and but i and the first time i think i went to the bottom for every stick which i know you, you you've explained to me how you hang them and you know, you you don't as soon as you start up you never hit the ground until you're done hunting mm -hmm. um i last this last you know last week when i did it i think i had to go back down twice um uh instead of you know just for the the well the platform i had to tie on i didn't have that tied on and then and then for and then go down to tie my bow up so i'm still learning i'm still learning the ropes on it um uh i haven't given up on it by any means but uh yeah, I'm still learning the ropes on it. Yeah, and that's something probably too that that you know that once you if you decide that's what you want to do a little bit more of you know in the summertime or something practice and get a system down with it. it took me took me a little bit to 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 learn it myself. Right, and and I probably should watch videos or <laughs> I mean I listen to you, but I've never seen you actually do it, and 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 it's a lot better when you you can see something. Yeah. <laughs> For me, if I see it happen, then I get I get the gist of it uh, a, a lot quicker. Um, yeah, but, you're not watching as many YouTube videos and stuff as I am that no. help 
<laughs> reduce the, the I, I learning curve. I, I don't think I ever. I don't think I watched it. I know I haven't watched the video of anybody doing a hanging hunt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I did send you the video recently of uh, uh, using the saddle. Yeah, I haven't got through that yet though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and that's something that intrigues me. I, I I'd like to try yours out one of these days. Just uh, well, probably be after the season. I don't want to <laughs> know if I want to take your time or my time up right now to play around with it with yeah. that, especially when we're starting to get into the the heat of things here. Yeah, but no, I I, I think I guess what what I was coming down to there with the stands is you know since. You, you know, you can, you can get to some of these areas after work and all this stuff that you're able to, you know, hang physical stands in the trees. Some that you might, you know, that if you need to get into quick for an hour hunt, that's what makes the lock on stands, the hang ons yeah, better. That's fixed, exactly Make right. them so much nicer. Yep. And, and, and I guess, uh, you know, getting back to, you know, why I seem to be more successful out of my climber, um, you know, thinking more into it. It's usually when I'm prepared to do an all-day sit, I will rather sit in a climber than on a lock-on with a, just a padded seat, where at least in the climber, if if I want to take a nap, I'm a little more secure, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> where I can't just topple right out. Um, so that's probably... You know, just just thinking into it, I never really thought much about it, but uh, that's probably where the, the success from the climber you know, is a lot more than on, on the lock-ons because I'm, I'm, I'm just preparing myself for an all-day sit and I am out there all day uh, instead of having to come in and go to work or running in after work and only having an hour or two before it gets dark. Um, so, you know, that, that that's probably more more the reason where if I could sit all day in a lock-on, then I'd probably have the same amount as success. Yeah. Do you... um? So uh, you're talking about sitting all day. Is that something that, you know, during the rut, say you have, you know, a week off or two weeks off or whatever it is, um, what what time frame do you start pulling those all day, all day sets? Well, I mean, definitely uh, from Halloween on. Um, and it, but it comes down to the weather. Uh, you know, if it's going to get up to 60, 65 during the day, uh I'll probably end up coming in um, for a little bit um, just because, you know, you that deer, he has his winter coat on. And, yeah, the rut, you know, if the rut isn't or if they're not into the, you know, the, the full seeking phase, um, uh, they're not going to be, they're, you know, they're going to be bedded, you know, during that hottest, hottest time of the, uh, that hottest time of the day. Now, later on when, you know, you get the, the the heavy chasing going on uh yeah they i mean i've seen them running at 65 degrees out and their tongues hanging out and and it's just you know it's just they're just driven yeah and um so with with uh you know the all day sits and stuff when when do you or i guess let's let's just not say even all day sits let's look at you know come you know, as you're getting into the latter part of the first week in November and the second week in November, when are you seeing most of your buck movement in some of those travel areas? Whether that's a you know creek bottom over a scrape, some creek crossings. What are you? What uh, what is there any certain time frames you're seeing the best movement? Um, I, I I always try to get in before it gets light. Uh, just 
mainly I think that if you bump a deer when it's dark, um, you have less enough effect, at least in my my belief, than you would if it was daylight. Um, so I always enter my stands uh, prior to getting light. But usually the activity, um, you know, I'm I'm saying, you know, nine to eleven is probably the you know, more the activity than I would say from daylight to 9 a.m. Not to say I've, I've killed, I've killed deer at, you know, 7.38 in the morning, uh, right at first light, but uh, uh, probably most of the action is, is a little later in the morning. Yeah. I It's it's funny. I don't know, you know, looking back at it, I don't know if I've really killed any during the rut at first light. I think most of mine have been from nine ten o'clock on mm-hmm. i remember there was in i think the earliest one was in 2016 i remember that's when you know really paying attention which we still are but to the barometric pressure and as how that rises and uh at the you know the highest part of the day was slated for nine thirty in the morning on that day and it was gonna hit i can't remember what the number was 31 or 31 and a half something like that it was a pretty high number and it was like right at that time i grunted in an eight point and sh- shot him but for the most part i mean i've killed a couple around noon and and i think most of the rest of mine have been in the in the afternoon yeah yeah you've killed a lot um uh later um you know four or five yeah you, you know early evening of course what time you usually get dark yeah, it depends on if it's before the time change. Yeah, or not. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah, but uh, yeah, but me personally, um, you know, I I, I kind of like the uh, mid morning, late mornings. Um, um, but I'll sit, you know. And then there's, then there seems to be a peak, you know, one one or two um, of some action. I mean, you'll have your lulls during the day if you're doing an all day set. Uh, and it's just you're just wondering why you're you're still out there, <laughs> yeah. uh, but then it seems like there's a run. You know, you may see a couple bucks come cruising through, and or maybe some chasing going on, and and uh, then it's dead for another couple, two three hours before, and it may be that way the rest of the day. Uh, yeah. You know, you know as well as I do, you can put some long days in and and not have any action. Yeah, no, that's that's uh, that's, that's so true in. And but but with that being said, it only takes one to change exactly. it. And if you're not sitting in the tree or you're not hunting at all, whether it's on the ground or in the tree, then you're not really in the game. No, that's exactly right. If if, if you're not out there, your 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 chances are zero. Yeah. And uh, so I guess this year, so you're gonna get to hunt. Do you have? Do you think you'll get much time to hunt Pennsylvania this year? I know our season goes a little bit later. Yeah, I'm hoping. I still haven't worked out the details as to what what time uh, when I'm going when I'm going to take my time off. But uh, I'm hoping to be able to get some time off here, whether it be a week or uh, close to two weeks. I, I am going to be going to Ohio right after our season ends, so I have a week for that. So. So that'll um, be like what the third week in November you'll be in. Ohio. Yeah, I think we leave the seventeenth, the day after our season ends. Uh, be out there for a week, um, so that's going to take up some of my my time. But uh, yeah, I, I'm going to just play it by ear and uh, see what the, the weather patterns are going to bring as the time gets closer, and 
and what 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 fresh sign or what I'm seeing on my cameras or you know the couple hours after work uh, here in the next week uh, to help help lay out my plan I guess so I guess uh one last thing I wanted to uh, say so if you had say one or two things that you could leave somebody with as far as when it comes to hunting the rut and the, the big woods or the you know the the you know steeper country in, in the mountains of Pennsylvania or anywhere near here is there any sort of tips or any couple you know last thoughts on that well I mean I you know as far as the hunting Pennsylvania you know I'm just primarily our area um, and you know I'm, I'm not I I don't know if I ever hunted any farmland, uh, so I can't speak for that. But for the big woods, um, you just got to spend time. I mean, that increases your odds uh, and be there at the right time. And the right time can vary year to year, but I will say that I, I am a firm believer that the rut's going to happen. That, uh, you know, towards the end of that first week of November, second week of November, regardless of the weather, it's just a matter of how much daylight activity there is. If you have cool weather, then you're going to see some daylight activity. If it's hot, most of the, the action is going to happen at night when you're not you're you're, you're not out there. Yeah. Um, you know, and not to say you can't still see some or get some action uh, in the daytime, but it's it's definitely going to be a harder go. Uh, but you got to spend the time. Um, you got to make the time. Um, and preparation, I mean, you, you can not set foot in the woods all year and, and go out and, and get lucky and people do it. People do it every year. Um, but, uh, I think your odds go up knowing, knowing the behavior, learning the behavior of the deer, of the deer uh, running cameras pretty much, uh, year round and, uh, getting out and, you know, just enjoying enjoying the uh the outdoors but also scouting for deer i mean as you know it's it's pretty much a year-round event for us yeah yeah not pretty much it is <laughs> yeah, well yeah <laughs> i remember what is it in uh was it 2015 when i shot that one the first day um and actually i i i did a grunt i, I was i was Still hunting the clear. Yeah, cat. it was it was a rainy day, and I remember I didn't even go out in the morning because uh, it was pouring, and all you guys still went out, and maybe it's my old age that uh, told me not to go, but <laughs> <laughs> or just looking for an easy excuse. But uh, I waited till uh, I think it was probably close to twelve thirty one one o'clock in the afternoon when it started letting up, and uh, before I went, and I had my stand on my back went where I wanted to go because my cameras were showing that the scrape was hot. Um, uh, you know, that week prior, they, had, they were just starting to scrape. And uh, so I went to check my camera, and if I had anything good on it, then I was going to climb a tree. I had a tree picked out and everything. Well, I got there, I pulled my camera card and checked it, and I never had a deer picture the, the whole week it was out, and not a one. <laughs> so that kind of changed things for me. So I ended up hiking back to the, the truck, put my stand in and I, and this was on the downwind edge of a clear cut is where I was planning on setting up so I thought well it's quiet I'm a, I'm just going to go into this clear cut and, and just see just mainly um, maybe I can catch something but just a lot, mainly just to scout it uh, along with hunting it 
and I was just poking along, and I heard, and the wind was in my face, and I remember I heard heavy hoofs hitting the ground, so I knew I jumped the deer, but I knew it didn't know what I was because there's no way it could have winded me. So I just gave a couple grunts on my grunt tube and uh, waited and took a couple more steps and, you know, a couple more steps, gave another couple grunts, and then I kind of looked up this skid trail, and there he was. He was coming straight at me, and he just stood there, and and then once again, I was you know, he hit a frame. He, I, I knew what the potential was in that clear cut from running cameras, and uh, um, he had the frame of a shooter. So, you know, I took him. Uh, and but I remember, uh, you know, everybody saying, you know, now what are you going to do? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, you just shot one on the first day, and you know, and you, you only get one buck tag in PA, <laughs> and it's just like, well, you know, I thought long and hard. It's like. I was actually kind of relieved because I've been actually scouting and running cameras all summer, you know, all spring, summer long. Yeah. (laughs) It wasn't like the first day for me. It was kind of, uh, it was just earlier. Yeah, I missed the ride. I didn't get to hunt the ride action, the action of that. But, uh, I mean, that was only, you know, maybe a month earlier than probably, you know, uh, you mean looking at a 12-month calendar, a month isn't a big no big, big difference <laughs> no the first day of archery isn't really the first day of the season no in, in reality yeah oh uh, that's that's funny all right well that uh i think that's good uh i i think we'll end this podcast on on that note and and uh, get into some serious hunting here over the next i guess three weeks left of our season here yeah, yeah, it's gonna. It's a little, little different. It's a long, little longer. Seems like a little longer season. Um, yeah, just I the really way the calendar di- fell this year. Yeah, I really haven't digested it too much yet, but uh, yeah, I'm kind of excited because usually uh, you pick up your biggest bucks in daylight after the season's over. So yeah, it may spill into our season. May still be going on when that starts to happen. Yeah, I mean it does. It does seem like um, at least well, for both of us that. You know, you have more bucks moving in the first week, the two weeks in November, but coming into that 11th through 16th, 17th, you get some of the biggest ones moving. Might not have as many pitchers on the camp. This is just from camera action, but yeah, yeah. as as you seem to have some pretty good ones moving at that time. So, all right, well, uh, again, let's, uh, we'll, uh, we'll end this podcast here and and uh yeah hopefully hopefully we have some bucks on the ground here shortly yeah then hopefully uh luck luck deals us a good hand yep yeah when uh what what do they say when when uh something meets luck what is it preparation preparation meets, meets opportunity that's the, the definition of luck yep yeah that's <laughs> that's exactly right <laughs> All right, Dad. Well, thanks for coming on. Well, I appreciate you asking me. Yep. We'll talk soon. Yep. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of East Meets West Hunt with your host, Bo Martonic. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit eastmeetswesthunt.com, Facebook at East Meets West Outdoors, and Instagram at East Meets West Hunt. If you enjoyed today's episode, please review and subscribe, and we'll catch you next time.